Why would a lawyer love to hear the choo-choo of a ghost train chugging down the tracks? And then we travel to Brazil to take a look at a gruesome story that to this day has investigators baffled. When an old lady dies in her sleep, was it simply because of natural causes? Or did a creature from beyond reality eat her face? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Garvener. I'm having a great day. Hope you guys are having a great day too. Hope you guys are having tons of fun out there in the sun, doing whatever you're doing. We got a lot of stuff to cover, so first off, coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now is more of our Oregon Ghost Conference attendees. I had so much fun doing it. I'm giving a shout out to the people who showed up to watch me speak. So, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now, everyone give it up for Riley and Autumn. Woohoo! Yeah! Coming in, they're on, I don't know, swings or something. You're like, Jason, they'd be coming in and out and in and out. I'm running out of stuff for people to come in on. Riley and Autumn, you guys are going to be our captains, our pilots this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, if you guys can't go to the live events, that's totally fine. It really, really is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That's the way you can help the show grow. Join the Fluffle today. <laughs> and people are like, wait, what's a Fluffle? <laughs> Let's just move on. Let's... People are telling me, don't use that. Don't use that. Figure out something else. <laughs> well, I haven't. I haven't, so we're still called the Fluffle. And I want to say... Riley also recently did join the Patreon. Riley, you're going to get a separate shout-out for that. I'm not going to combine them all because I really appreciate you joining the Patreon as well. That shout-out episode will be coming at a later date. Riley and Autumn, of course, it's a name I can't pronounce. Autumn, that's how you say it, right? Riley and Autumn, we're going to go ahead and toss you the key. You know what? We're going to go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider. Let's jump off the highest point of Dead Rabbit Command and glide all the way out to... Jolly old England. Specifically, we're headed to Swadlincote, England. Swadlincote, England. It's March 2023. Super recent story. And Riley and Autumn land the hair hang glider. And while they're packing it up, while they're putting it away, we sneak off to do the story real quick without them. We walk into this police station, and we see, like, wanted posters on the wall. I'm like, don't look at that one. I'm all covering one up with my hand. I'm like, what? It's a picture of me after that great leprechaun swindle I pulled off in 98. We're walking around this police station, and there happen to be two cops here. We have officers Joe Stafford and Whitney Holmes Small. Whitney Holmes Small and Joe Stafford, they're out their police station. They're getting ready to go on patrol. We don't have a time for when the story took place. It took place in the early weeks of March. But I they, I kept, read a couple articles. I was wondering, was this story taking place at night or during the day? Because it actually makes a difference as far as paranormal activity goes. So it would be interesting to know if this happened during the day or the night. But anyways, these two officers are getting ready to go on patrol. And all of a sudden, they hear... They hear they're like it's his ringtone. He has that little dancing baby song. Chugga 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 chugga. They hear a train coming. Now there were no train tracks in this area, 
So no train tracks, no train. Chugga 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 chugga. They hear the train getting closer and closer, and they're looking around because even if there were no train tracks, if you heard the sound of a train, if you're in the middle of a Safeway, if you're in the middle of a grocery store, and you heard a train coming, you're going to be afraid. Dude, what if a train smashed right through? They start looking around. And they're looking at each other, and they're like, dude, do you hear that? And the other guy's like, with my with me ears, I hear it, but with my peepers, I see nothing. And they're looking around, and they don't see this train, but the sound's getting louder and closer. chugga 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 And right when it gets up to, like, them, they're like, ah. The, the two men said, as the train flew, well, there wasn't a train, right? It wasn't, they couldn't see it with their peepers no matter what. The train roars by. Well, it's not a train. It's the sound of a train roaring by. It's a phantom train. It's a ghost train. They hear it roar by, and they said they actually saw the leaves in the trees nearby move as if a huge gust of wind was blowing them. And the two officers also felt a gust of air Not like almost sweep them off their feet. It wasn't like a typhoon or nothing, but it was enough, right? (laughs) If you were standing there on a normal day and all of a sudden it felt like a train blew by you and your clothes were like, whoa, that would be enough. They didn't get left flown around. The guy falls falls into the ghost train. He gets chopped in half. They're like, ah. Um, No, they just felt the train drive by. They watched the trees react to the force of the train going by. And then as it was chugga, 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 chugging away. They heard a little ghost phantom whistle, and they heard the sound get quieter and quieter as this ghost train moved past them. Now, these two police officers, they did some investigation on the building. (laughs) They're supposed to go on a patrol. They're like, oh, we have a domestic violence call about four blocks away. They're like, hold on, we're Googling trains in the area. (laughs) Whatever that's going on, they're going to wait. We're Googling trains. They found out that there used to be a train yard in this area. Like, it actually was a location. It was the lo- where the location... It was more than just, like, a train track. Where the police station now stood used to be the Swaddling Coat Railway Station. But it hasn't been there for about 70 years. They said the last time a train passed through that area was 1947. So this story, there's a lot of stuff we can say about the story. It's a very unique haunting. Again, we don't know if it's during the day or night. Be more unique during the day. But we've talked about this a lot on this show. I've said before I go, I think police officers probably do encounter supernatural events. I want to say all the time, but think about where they're going. They're going into pretty rough neighborhoods where a lot of people have been killed. They're going to like meth labs on the edge of town. All the places where normal society doesn't like to go right (laughs) Right now you're cooking meth you're like what i'm not normal oh man jason here are my feelings people who live in bad areas like it sucks right you hope that the area can get better you hope the crime can go down the cops are going in there they don't generally live in those areas they're going in there they're seeing stuff they're basically always walking on the street corners where people have been killed they're going out into the outskirts of town knocking down doors they're doing all this stuff And a lot of times they're doing it at night. And I said, I bet you there is a Venn diagram between police officers who experience supernatural events. I guess guess it's not a Venn diagram. I guess it's just a circle. Not all cops would see them, but some would. But they would never say anything. The same reason why airline pilots would never report UFOs. Because you have to depend on the person sitting next to you. 
if your partner thinks you're a lunatic, if your partner does not believe in ghosts at all, and you go, well, I swear that one day when we showed up at that street corner where that nine-year-old kid got shot in the neck, remember that? And the other guy's like, I'm trying to forget. I'm trying to forget that. That was horrible. Why do you keep bringing that up? Because when I got there, I saw his ghost pointing at that other guy. I, you remember that suspicious-looking guy on the corner who, <laughs> who had a smoking gun and he put it in his pocket and ran away? I saw the little ghost boy pointing at him, and he goes, go get Jackie. And I think we should go arrest that guy. I think we should go arrest that guy because that ghost was pointing at him. You would think this guy's nuts. You'd be like, I have to depend on this guy to back me up in the middle of a firefight or some sort of horrible situation that we're in very, very often. And he's talking about ghosts and stuff. I saw the other day he told me he got a leprechaun. <laughs> like, this guy's a lunatic. And you would get made fun of in the... You'd get made fun of back at the police station and everyone would start calling you Johnny Ghost Boy or whatever. We see that type of stuff, right? Airline pilots get it. That's why they don't talk about UFOs because the co-pilot sitting next to you is like, what's he going to do? Like, is he going to grab the controls and be like, look out, ET's headed on a direct course and like veer the plane. Now, here's the thing. No, he wouldn't. And the officer who had that spiritual encounter, that ghostly encounter of the little boy pointing out his murderer... No, he's not going to catch a leprechaun. He's not going to believe in everything. But you would get the reputation of just being unreliable. What I find so interesting about this story, it's an undeserved reputation, but you would get that reputation. What I find interesting about this story, this story was released by the Swaddling Coat Police Facebook. This, was an, this story was officially posted by the Swaddling Coat Police Station Police Office. On their official Facebook, they posted this. And they're like, isn't this crazy? Two of our officers who patrol your streets had a wacky in encounter the other day or night where they heard a ghost train. When I was reading this online, I thought, on the one hand, I do wish more people would come out and tell their paranormal stories. And I do think that law enforcement probably does see more weird stuff than the normal person because they're just in weird areas. They're areas with high violence. They're in areas on the outskirts of the city, like kind of hidden away in the trees and the bushes and stuff like that. So yeah, I want that. On the other hand, when I read this, I thought, oh my God, defense lawyers are going to have a field day with these two. Like these guys are going to get chewed, chewed apart in court. I, for the rest of their career, I'm not saying it's a good thing, but for the rest of their careers, if I was a defense lawyer, any time these guys were a part of any criminal case, I'd be like, you say that you saw my client stealing that money from that old woman and then running out into the street and pushing over a baby. And the officer would be like, that's what I saw. And then I would go, well, also back in March 2023, you heard a ghost train. Let's look at this, everybody. You know what I mean? Like, you would immediately diminish. And here's the thing. Like, I, if I was in the jury, I was like, what? Ghost train? <laughs> this trial just got 10 times more exciting. But you just have to have one skeptic in that jury. I don't actually know how they do it. I, I, do they have juries in Britain? I don't know. Maybe just the judge. But if the judge is like, poppycock, ghost trains don't exist. Innocent. He's innocent. Let all those bad guys. He's <laughs> calling them bad guys. He's like, I know they're bad, but... Those guys uh, believe in ghosts like you would. It makes them look. Here's my thing. I am not saying this because I think it's dope. 
I think ghost trains are pretty awesome. However, it could make them look foolish in the eyes of professionals. Imagine if you went to your work tomorrow and you're like, boss, sorry I'm late. I almost got hit by a train. Your boss is like, wait, what? That There's no trains in the area. And then you go, yeah, I know. Sit down. This is real spooky. And you told him the story about how you were driving and you heard a ghost train, so you stopped. <laughs> I caused a huge pileup behind me, but I, sir, was safe. He's like, where are the rest of your coworkers? Is that why no one else is here in this building? I don't know. But I heard a ghost train on the way to work, so I had to be late to stop. Like, your boss is going to be... And I'm not saying this is a good thing. This sucks. This is one of those things. But it's one of those things like you can't change society. You can't be like, everyone believe in ghosts. Everyone believe in ghosts. That's the reason I'm always late. They're like, what? You're always late. I go, yeah, there's a lot of ghosts out there. If I was a defense lawyer, I would be like, these guys are unreliable. They heard a ghost train. And they heard it go, too, too. Like, come on. That's, they're obviously unreliable witnesses. They, whatever they say my client did, I can't trust them. They believe in ghosts, not all just ghosts, ghost trains. So that's the interesting conundrum, right? I love, I've shared my stories, not all of them, but I've shared a lot of my personal paranormal stories, and I love other people to share them. And I wish, I think it's one of those things that if more people did share them, then it would become, like nowadays pilots can talk about UFOs. But even then, it's a lot of times pilots towards the end of their career or retired. A 25-year-old pilot, like his first day on the job, he's not going to be like, they're like, hey, Jerry, how was your first day on the job? Man, it was so exciting. A bunch of UFOs showed up. And then that, guy, that guy's not getting back inside of a passenger jet for a while, right? They're going to be like, what? He's like, yeah, they were coming at me. And they were beaming messages into my head. And they're like, what? And then I lost time. They're like, is that why the plane's five hours late? He's like, yeah. We all got abducted. <laughs> then he starts getting on the other plane. He's like, well, time to clock back in. They're like, oh, no, 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 Jerry. We'll get another pilot to fly this flight. Why don't you uh, sit down for a bit? So, yeah, you do have that. Someone posted online the other day. They go, why do we always hear these stories about abductees and they're all in their 40s and their 50s and their 60s like the people are telling these stories about crazy abductions they're older not even 40s they're like in their 50s and their 60s they're like yeah back in like the 70s i was driving through this area got abducted he goes with tiktok with all of these abilities to tell your story right away you would imagine there'd be a lot of younger people claiming they got abducted and i responded uh, I, a, a big part of it is that you don't want to, right? You feel like an idiot. You know people are going to make fun of you. I go, in 20, 30, 40 years, we'll start hearing about people being abducted now. We'll every so often hear a story about someone being abducted in 2023 or in the 2020s even. But I think by the time we hit 2060, we're going to start hearing a bunch of stories about people being abducted today because they'll feel comfortable. That was something Dr. Kelly Schutz talked about she was the woman who interviewed me on her Paranormal Encounters podcast. I'll put that episode in the show notes. She also spoke at the Oregon Ghost Conference, and she made an interesting point. It was after her professional career was over that she, quote, came out of the paranormal closet. And super interesting, right? She had already, like, made her career. She had already going on to the second phase of her life, and now she felt comfortable telling these stories. 
Because before that, it's career suicide. Even though she has stories like paranormal stuff is happening at her workplace, she still never piped up and said what had happened to her as a child. Because, yeah, it can be career suicide. Interesting story. Nonetheless, we... Do we have enough time to do the human mutilations one? I think I'm going to do an audible right now. I don't know if I have time to do the old lady getting her face eaten off. <laughs> You're like, oh, thanks. thanks, Jason. Thanks. I think we might save them one tomorrow. It was. I do want to give a shout out. It was an amazing write-up. It included a lot of translation by a uh, Patreon member of the show, uh, Matthias Gamara. But we're going to have to save that till tomorrow because I want to do some... It's a deep dive. It's a really deep dive. And I want to really... I want to thank him now. He did a lot of work getting that ready for me. We're going to save that till tomorrow. Let's go ahead, Riley and Autumn. I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carboner Copter. We are leaving behind England. Fly us all the way out to a hospital. Kicking back in the Carboner Copter is a nice, leisurely journey. <laughs> Jason, are we going to a hospital? Why are you so relaxed? This is probably a depressing story. Yeah, this story is weird. This is a weird one. Riley, go ahead and land the carpenter copter on the top of the hospital on the helipad. <laughs> They're going to have to worry about it. They can land their helicopter somewhere else. Everyone hop on out, and we're going to walk into this hospital and meet a man named Misha. So we're walking through the hallways, and we see doctors walking around with clipboards and stuff like that. We're just kind of looking at the names on the on the wall. Like, you know how they write down names on pieces of paper? I don't know. Do they still do that? Maybe it's all electronic now. Maybe they scan a QR code to know what room you're in. But anyways, we walk in and we see this old man. He's laying in his bed and you hear the faint... Boop, boop. Boop, boop. Boop, boop. ...of the heart monitor. And doctor walks in and he's like, hey, guys... You, you members of his family were like, yeah, yeah, we totally know this dude. And he's like, doctor's like, okay, good. This dude has brain damage. What happened was he had a heart attack and he fell down and hit his head. And scrambled his brains, which is medical terminology. And we're like, oh, that's interesting. Quite gruesome. I want, what's so funny when I read this story, I thought, wow, I guess like, I, I guess I've, always been afraid of having a heart attack but i never thought like i could survive the heart attack but have a cracked head right i just imagine you just kind of sat down you're like oh my heart uh sit down all comfortable you start playing a video game you're like that no you could have a heart attack and fall over and hit your head so that's what happened to this guy misha we go is there any hope for misha and the doctor shakes his head and he goes no 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 <laughs> did you hear my diagnosis scrambled his brains Misha is brain dead. There's absolutely no way that he's going to make it out of this. We go, well, then, I mean, I know this is like the family's decision and all that stuff, but so he's hooked up to this machine. He's never going to be alive again or not brain dead again. Well, the doctor goes in, in this country, we don't allow the plug to be pulled for any reason. Like we're going to keep him on this machine Basically until the power runs out and we haven't paid our bill this month, so a bunch of people are going to die. He goes, we keep him on the machine until basically he dies a natural death. And that's just the way it works here. And the doctor leaves and we're left alone in this hospital room with Misha. A man trapped in a coma. Not even a coma, right? He's brain dead. They're keeping him alive through machines. 
Let's leave this medical facility and we're going to meet his daughter-in-law, a young woman named Donna. That's actually not her real name, but we'll call her Donna. She's the one who posted this story online. She goes, there's an interesting situation going on where my father-in-law had a heart attack. Now he's brain dead and he took it to, to this machine. And in, in the country that they're in, they don't believe in pulling the plug. Now, apparently Donna's in the United States is what I presume. And she goes, I'm over here and I'm obviously, it's my father-in-law. I'm concerned for him. I'm concerned for the family. All of this stuff. That's all bad enough. But something else has been going on. Now, she says Misha is not his real name. That's actually a, a nickname he has in the family. But we all call him Misha. She does specifically name him Misha in, in the narrative. She goes, since this has happened, I've been having these visions. Since Misha's been hooked up to all this machinery, I've been having these visions. She goes, I will see, not dreams too. These are basically like waking visions she'll have from time to time. She'll see Misha standing in what she describes as an old style Soviet era building. So you just imagine the concrete gray the very bureaucratic look. It's very, it's function over form, right? It was built to just house a bunch of offices. It doesn't have to look beautiful. It just has to do what it was intended to do, house bureaucrats. And she goes, I have this vision of Misha standing in a long line of people. And they have to go to a window and get some paperwork processed, and they get that paperwork processed, and then they go stand in another long line to get the paperwork stamped. And then they go out of that line, and then they go into another long line, and she goes, I see Misha standing in these long lines. And there's five windows in total. There's five different offices that he has to go to in total, and each time he has to stand in this line... He goes to the first line, he gets the paperwork to fill out. He goes to the second line, he turns it in. The third line, they stamp it. And he's basically going through this process, meaning he can't die until this is done. And she goes, I keep having this vision. And she goes, sometimes he makes it to the third window. Sometimes he makes it to the fourth window. Sometimes, rarely, he gets in line for the fifth window. But then the vision ends. And then the next time the vision starts back up, he's back in the line for that first window. She said sometimes he has even gotten up to that fifth window and all of a sudden the shutter is closed and that office is done for the day. Misha has not been able to complete the last part of his task. He has not been allowed to pass on. And the next time she has that vision, Misha is once again standing in line. Donna's having these visions. It's very troubling. It'd be very, very disturbing, right? I mean, any visions would be bad, but she's having these visions of a family member trying to move on, trying to die, but trapped in this metaphysical bureaucracy. Her neighbor's mom, Donna's neighbor's mom, is a medium. She goes, oh, you know, that's actually pretty convenient. I'll go talk to my neighbor. Maybe she can get her mom to do something. And she talks to the neighbor and she goes, hey, I was wondering, could you talk to your mom and tell her to tell my father-in-law 
it's okay to dine. He was like, what? I thought you were going to borrow sugar or something. Ask for a couple of potatoes. No, no, no. Well, I, I'll take the sugar. But also, can your mom talk to him? Can your mom talk to him? Because she talks to the dead. And apparently the neighbor did ask her mother at some point about this. And the neighbor ended up saying, no, my mom can't do that. She can only speak to the dead. And based on what you've told us, and you know, you say he's still being kept alive on these heart monitors and these visions you're having, he's not dead. So she can't communicate with him, but you can. But Donna, this is all out of Donna's, you know, wheelhouse. She's having these visions. She keeps continuing to see that shutter closed in Misha's face and being told, come back tomorrow. Office is closed. Only to repeat the whole process the next day and still never get it completed. What happens is, I mean, Donna really comes to the realization that she should probably, she's told her neighbor about this, but she should probably tell her family about this. But again, going back to that first story, it's embarrassing. Like, are people going to believe you? Some people may just think it's in bad taste that you're even talking about this stuff. You're like, oh, what? While poor Misha is brain dead in the hospital, you're having these wacky visions. Like, that's so insensitive. So she doesn't say anything to her family. She doesn't say anything to her family. She doesn't even say anything to her husband. But these visions are continuing until two weeks go by and Donna's neighbor pays her a visit. And her neighbor says, listen, my mom's gotten a message. I'm going to I'm gonna give you this message verbatim. Exactly the message my mother got. Quote, Misha needs her, so meaning Donna, Misha needs her to tell the family. She's the only one who knows who can deliver the message. This really freaked Donna out because she had never told her neighbor or the neighbor's mother, the father-in-law's name was Misha. And remember, Misha's a nickname. Even if they were somehow able to find the hospital he was at, you know how sometimes psychics will do that research ahead of time, and they'll, they'll find background information, so it seems like they're pulling it out of the air. It, his medical records weren't under his nickname. She never told the neighbor or the mom. She never really talked to the mom, according to this account. She never used the name Misha. This was posted online back on February 22nd, 2023. Very, very recent story. He had his heart attack a few months before that. And where we're at now, as of recording this in March of 2023, we don't know if she said anything. We don't know if she ever told the family. She's continuing to post the stuff online. She goes by the name... L-A-G-A, or Laga. But it's uh, the rest of the stuff she posts about is like Philly. Like stuff going on in Philly. So I think that's where she's from. Philadelphia. She's posting all the stuff about Philly. And then she's like, oh, she titled this post, My Brain Dead Father-in-Law is Haunting Me. Which I always find so interesting when people just post about normal stuff going on in their day their hobbies, their likes and dislikes, and then a weird paranormal story pops up in the middle of it, and then they go back to talking about, hey, man, wasn't that really cool the other day in Philly when that baseball got hit and the, the fans go, yay. 
It's super interesting to me. It does give some more legitimacy to the story. You guys would be surprised how many stories I just have to disregard because I look through the posting history and everything's a once-in-a-lifetime ghost adventure. Angels coming down. Actually, I tell stories like that. That's always the funniest things. I tell stories like that. But I know they're true because they happen to me. If you don't believe they're true, that's totally fine. I like finding these kind of paranormal stories nestled in everyday life. As far as I can tell, she's never told the family. As far as I can tell. And again, like, they won't pull the life support regardless. Like, whatever country he's in, that's not something they do. But maybe if the family is adamant, who knows? I don't know. But anyways, she now has confirmation that Misha is saying, tell the family. Tell the family what's going on. And that's creepy to think she's having these visions and she's watching him stand in these lines trying to get closer. And I love this story. I mean, it's born out of tragedy. That's always sad. But I love this story. But then I found another story from the point of view of the person dying. So as abstract as you might think that is, a young woman having visions of her father-in-law, she's just imagining and she's just thinking of these things and imagining how hard it must be to be on the cusp or was she actually envisioning the end of his life being an endless set of paperwork and bureaucracies and office workers and stuff like that and never get anything done i found this account back in this is crazy back in 2018 this dude's grandma was in a coma for four days but she came out of it she was in a coma for four days she comes out of the coma and when they're talking to grandma, they realize that she didn't know she was in a coma. She, From her account, she couldn't sleep. This is so weird. This is so weird. The grandma goes, oh man, these past couple days have been really rough. I haven't been able to catch a, catch a minute of shut up. Not a minute of peace and quiet. And they're like, what? You've been in a coma for four days. And from her point of view, it was a restless not even sleep, like it's that in and out of sleep, you're just kind of stuck in this mode where you're, you want to sleep, but you can't. She goes, I haven't been able to sleep for the past couple of days. I've been having a terrible nightmare. While she was in this coma, she didn't know she was in a coma. She thought she was still in our waking world trying to sleep. But every time she started to fall asleep, she had this dream. She said I was in a room with a line of women. It was me and a bunch of women in front of me and a bunch of women behind me. And in the front of that line was a table. And on that table was a pile of coins. And you stood in line and you waited your turn and you kept seeing women in front of you busily doing something with their hands. And then sometimes, most of the time, you would see them turn and walk past you and head to the back of the line. But sometimes you would see them walk to the side of the table where there was a door and they'd open it up and they'd walk through that door. She goes, I had the same dream every night. I'm standing in this line 
I'm watching this play out. I get up to the table. There's a pile of coins. And I am instructed that I am to stack the coins up. To make a single stack of coins. If I'm unable to stack the coins, if the coins at any point tumble over, I have to go to the back of the line and try again. But if I'm able to stack the coins up and the tower stays, I get to walk through this door near the table. The door had a sign on it that said Mortos, which is Portuguese for death. So again, a fascinating account, right? She's, she goes, I kept having this reoccurring dream. I felt like I was on the edge of life and death and some people wanted to go through the door. I mean, like maybe we all did it at some point, but we couldn't stack the coins and we kept knocking them over. And the family's like, oh my God, like she almost died. Like definitely getting in a coma at any age is rough. I'm, an elderly coma must be the hardest to recover from. And she didn't know she was in a coma. That, I think, is an interesting point, too. She didn't know she was in a coma. She was fitfully trying to fall asleep, but kept having the same dream. Is there... This is one of the things that I find so fascinating about death, is the abstract nature of it. We don't understand what it is. We can have written descriptions of paradise and damnation, but you ask, is there gravity? What is, is there gravel? Is there air to breathe in? Like, just basic things. How does light work in the afterlife? Because that's all a scientific principle, right? You need energy sources and things like that. How would a fire flicker in heaven? Do you need fire? Would you miss fire if there is no fire? What if some people didn't want fire in their heaven? So all this stuff, the abstract nature of it, or will it just be like you're a geometric cube floating with a bunch of other geometric cubes? Like, that would be lame. I'd rather... Be have, I'd rather have angel wings and a harp than be some sort of weird sci-fi amorphous blob connecting to the universe type of thing. Blah. But the abstract nature of what's after, and, and here we have two accounts of the abstract nature of dying itself. Like, what is this? Is this the human brain trying to make sense of what it's going through? You could argue that well, these are a bunch of chemicals that are shooting off in the head and they're developing these ideas because the brain's trying to understand what's going through but in both of these cases one of them it was a a third party that was having the vision and in the case of the grandma she wasn't trying to comprehend death she didn't even know she was in a dire state to begin with she was so detached from the situation she didn't even know she was in a coma she was just a person who was trying to fall asleep which is weird because you would figure coma people they look super peaceful and stuff right they're just kind of laying there fascinating story i really love that that second one was posted online by a guy named ng300 but yeah it's just these weird abstract ideas of what not only what it is to die and be in the afterlife but what is it to even go through the process of dying What must the brain go through? What type of spiritual or chemical or a combination of both journeys is happening in our consciousness to let us understand what's coming next? It's so weird that both of them were this very orderly, almost oppressively orderly system. 
Because we've had visions of people being surrounded by peace and love in the afterlife. And then the, the spiritual beings and the angels or whatever say, no, you have to go back. We've had people who have died and gone to hell, negative post-life experiences. I'll put those in the show notes as well. But this one is the dying itself. This isn't that they actually died. It's that they're waiting to die. And it actually sounds very annoying. And the one thing most people hate is standing in lines to begin with. And that's what both of these were. Both of them are very cold and unfeeling. And it's like basically is a stamp this, sign there, thumbprint, photograph, turn, move, step. You know, like all these just very, very cold and unfeeling images. The grandma came out of her coma. As far as we can tell, Misha is still trapped in his own hell. One where he desperately wants to get to that fifth window, where he wants to move on. He wants to move on so badly, he's actually sending out what little psychic energy he has left to travel across the globe to touch the heart and mind of his daughter-in-law. It's terrifying to think that a man is trapped in an endless bureaucracy because the human laws on this earth prevent them from pulling the plug. A simple act of mercy will stop the torment, but until that switch is flipped or he dies a natural death months or years from now, until one of those two things happens, Misha will be standing in that line, hoping that this time he'll get to that last window. But if a bureaucracy is known for anything, it's the ability to destroy all hope, to leave you feeling powerless, and to make you stand in that line for as long as it wants. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. TikTok is at DeadRabbitRadio. DeadRabbitRadio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one.